You are listening to the podcast of New Life Church in Wayland, Michigan. Our longing is to see zero people in our community living unchanged by Jesus. We are a church navigating the messiness of life together in community. One of our core convictions is that everyone is welcome, no one is perfect, and anything is possible. I hope you know there is a place in the family for you here. For more information on gathering times and location, check out our website. But for now, I hope God speaks powerfully to you through this word. Well, good morning. morning. How is everyone doing this morning? Full disclosure, I just got back from a men's retreat late last night and got probably the worst sleep of my life. There were 12 other guys in the cabin with me and every single one of them snored. So I've got about two hours of sleep I'm going on right now. So you get no sleep, Brad, this morning, which is cool. So um, <laughs> man, we are so glad that you are here this morning. Today is an incredible day. Uh, Not only do we get to celebrate baptism today, we have several people in our community getting baptized, and I just want to say to you as well, at the end, there's going to be an invitation, so if you are here and you were not planning to get baptized, don't let that stop you. Like, if God moves in your heart and wants to do something, we have sweatpants, t-shirts, change of clothes, all of that stuff, don't let that stop you. Uh, Today could be your day for God to really, really move in your life. And uh, so if you have not been with us for the last couple months, we have been in a kind of sweeping series where we've been looking at God's pursuit of humanity throughout the scripture. And so we've looked at several different movements in the Bible story. We looked at how God created the world and his perfect creation, his initial intention. We looked at how we messed it all up through sin. And for the last three weeks, we've been looking at God's plan of redemption for the world. And every single week, we've been looking at redemption through a different lens. So we've looked at redemption through the lens of transformation, that the cross is what transforms us. We've looked at redemption through the lens of victory, that the cross is a picture of victory. Last week, we looked at redemption through the lens of rescue, that the cross is a rescue operation. But today, on this last day of talking about the redemption part of the story, this might be the most important week that we have yet. Because there's something that happens this week. There's a lens that we're going to look through this week that binds all other weeks together. This is the most important week. And I cannot think of a more fitting celebration for today than baptism. And so with that being said, here we are two years after COVID was officially declared a pandemic, right? Like if you think about this, two years ago today is when we were all stuck at home with stay-at-home orders. I mean, it was two years ago that our lives forever changed, everything in our lives forever changed. If you were a parent of kids in school, you were pivoting, right? Anybody learn to hate that word pivot? You were pivoting, and your kids were staying home and learning how to do Zoom school. Your work, maybe you got laid off, or you had to learn to work from home and learn how to use this wonderful piece of technology called Zoom that everybody loves to hate and the grocery stores. Anybody remember the grocery stores? Going in and seeing empty shelves because for some reason in a pandemic, toilet paper is the one thing we all wanted to hoard for ourselves. Like if everything's gonna change in our lives, the way we wipe our butts is where we draw the line. That is not gonna change. Anybody remember before masks were widely available, some of the early masks that people wore? Like, I swear, these are going to be in history books generations from now. I brought some pictures. (laughs) Like, if you ever wonder why Noah's neighbors made fun of him while building the ark, case in point. 
Or how about this one? Innovation at its finest. If you can smell my fart, we are not far enough apart. Or how about this last one? Anybody's parents ever tell them not to put bags on their heads? It's ridiculous, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's ridiculous, but people got creative with their masks all. Why? In an effort to protect themselves. In an effort to stay safe. It's fun to look back and laugh at the ridiculousness in the beginning, but all of this was just an early effort to protect ourselves. And the reality is we can laugh at the ridiculous masks that people are wearing, and yet for some of us, we have worn a mask every single day of our lives, and we don't even know it. In fact, every single one of us, from the day we were born, we learned the dance that we have to walk through this world with to earn love and to be accepted and to receive approval. Every single one of us have learned that dance from an early age. Every single one of us has been answering questions like, what makes me lovable? What makes me valuable? What parts of me do I need to hide or put a mask on over to feel safe in this world? What careful masks do I need to wear to survive? Even as kids, many of us were taught that we had to learn to, to wear masks to gain approval. The masks we need to wear to avoid shame or to manipulate situations in our favor are the secrets we need to keep about ourselves to even survive as this is a universal human experience. And research, like good psychological research, has shown us that when people are forced to wear masks to, to receive love, it is absolutely devastating. Like We need love, love that doesn't require us to prove ourselves, love that doesn't require us to earn it in order to survive. There's been studies done on like orphanages and places like Romania where love is not the norm and the detriments for, for a lifetime are evident. It's why in your 50s, you're still navigating some of the junk that happened to you as a child because every single one of us have been taught that in some way, some shape, we have to wear a mask to survive, to be loved in this world. But what if there was a place, a place where we don't have to, remove, where we don't have to wear a mask to receive love? Like, what if there was a place where I could go where the worst of me could be known and I would discover that I would not experience love less, but I would receive more love in the taking off of my masks? What if that place existed? I'm here to tell you that God's redemption story tells us that that place does exist. And so if the cross is a picture of anything, it is a picture first and foremost of God's love for you. And my goal today is really, really simple. I want to show you in this story how much God loves you. And not like this abstract, like, ah, oh, God loves you. He loves the parts that you hide and stuff like that. No, I want to show you how much God loves you because here's what nobody will tell you about masks. When you wear a mask, you cannot actually receive love. You can manipulate, you can survive, you can gain admiration and respect, you can even intimidate, but as long as you are wearing any kind of mask, you cannot truly receive love. Your mask can receive love, but who you are cannot. 
And so what I want to do today is I want to do something a little bit different. I've actually never done this in a sermon. So if it's a train wreck, you're welcome. We're just going to try it out today. <laughs> I want to look at one specific word for love that appears 248 times in the scriptures. And I want to look at this word from a variety of different angles in an effort to show you how directive and livid and piercing God's love is towards you. So can we try that this morning? Okay, tell me if it's a disaster later, okay? All right, so we're going to be in Psalm 136 today. Psalm 136 today, and here's what I want to do as we read through Psalm 136. This is a psalm that was never written for a pastor to put on a screen and just read to you. Okay, this was a psalm that was written to be read as a community, as a group of people. And so what we're going to do is something called call and response today. So we're going to be a little interactive. And so what I'm going to do is we're going to put the, the lines of the psalm up here, and I'm going to read the first line of each part, and you're going to read the second one, okay? So if I say, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Okay, that was about a C plus, Okay. <laughs> Whenever I did responsive readings in church as a kid, people sounded so bored. We're not going to sound bored, okay? We're going to be enthusiastic about this. So let's try it again. Give thanks to the God of gods. For his steadfast love endures forever. Moving on here. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. For his steadfast love endures forever. To him alone, who alone does great wonders. For his steadfast love to him who by understanding made the heavens. For his steadfast love endures forever. To him who spread out the earth above the waters. For his steadfast love endures forever. To him who made the great lights. For his steadfast love endures forever. The sun to rule over the day. For his steadfast love endures forever. The moon and stars to rule over the night. For his steadfast love endures forever. It is he who remembered us in our lowest state. For his steadfast love endures forever. And rescued us from our foes. For his steadfast love endures forever. He who gives food to all flesh. For his steadfast love endures forever. And the last one here, give thanks to the God of heaven. For his steadfast love endures forever. We, yeah, nicely done, guys. We read about half of that chapter. 26 times in that chapter, that word, steadfast love, appears. It's as if people need some convincing to start believing it. 26 times in that chapter alone. And if you have different translations of Bibles, like if you were to pull up a King James Version or an NIV, we read from the ESV, if you were to like pull up 10 different translations of the Bible, every single one of them would use a different word where it says steadfast love. So some translations, like this one, say steadfast love. Others just say love. Some say faithful love. The King James says mercy. Some say faithfulness. Some say loving kindness. Some say loyal love. Why would every translation use a different word to describe that word steadfast love? It is indescribable. In fact... If you know anything about the Bible, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, and there is this one word that exists in the Hebrew language, appears nearly 250 times in the Bible, that has no equivalent word in any other language anywhere. 
And so the reason that people don't use the same word to translate is because there is no word to describe it. There is no equal to describe it. And so here's what I want to do. I want to dig into this word today, and the word is this. It's the word chesed. Can everybody say that out loud? Yeah, but you got to like hock a loogie in your throat. It's not very COVID-friendly, okay? Like chesed. Imagine if we had a single English word to describe love and loyalty and mercy and generosity and faithfulness and affection and commitment and forgiveness and stability, this is chesed. This is what that means. If I were to give a definition to it here, if I were to describe what chesed is, chesed is a loyal, covenant-keeping love that goes above and beyond in every way possible to keep a promise. It is an action-oriented love driven by character and not by feelings. This word alone is used nearly 200 times to describe the love of God for you. 200 times. This is the love of God. And if chesed was used to describe human relationships, this is how I would describe chesed in a way that we can kind of get our hands on it and grasp it. Imagine a married couple who have been married for 65 years. And this couple has cared for each other through thick and thin, better and worse. They've been to hell and back together as a couple. And this man's wife, 65 years into marriage, develops Alzheimer's. And she begins forgetting who her kids are. She begins forgetting who her husband is. Memories start fading away. And this husband, this husband through thick and thin, as his wife literally forgets who she is, becomes bedridden eventually, he never leaves her side. He stays. And he cares for her. And he loves her, not because of some emotion or some feeling that she wells up inside of him, but because he has made a covenant, a commitment, and his love is driven more by his character than his feelings. Is that a love that woman can ever repay to her husband in those moments? No. It's a covenant-keeping love. It's a love that goes beyond our grasp, our understanding. It's a love that is so rare in our world today. It is a love that removes every single mask that we could possibly imagine. And this is the love of God. You see, we're so used to a love that breaks promises. We're so used to a love that is conditional. We're so used to a love that is kind of quid pro quo, like you do for me and I do for you. This is not how the love of God works. Because it's God has said throughout the Bible that drives his pursuit of you. Why do I take the time to share this with you? Why are we looking at this word? Because it is this word, this idea that drives God's redemption story throughout the scriptures. It is his chesed, his love, his steadfastness that drives his redemption story throughout scriptures. It's the story of Israel. It's the way Israel describes when God frees them from 400 years of slavery in Egypt and they cross the Red Sea and what do they say? They say, God, you are a God of chesed. They appeal to his steadfast love. But it's also the story of your life. That your life, whether you see it or not, is woven together by God's chesed. It's all over the place in your life. And it's hard to see sometimes when we walk through this world with masks. 
See, there are times in my life where I'd be tempted to doubt the chesed of God because my experience or my feelings or whatever I go through may lead me to believe something different. And here's what I want to do. I want to walk you through how this applies to different areas of your life. Like, like maybe you're in a place right now of sin and shame and covering things up. And you walk into a place like this with masks on. Like if anybody were to discover the drinking problem that I have or the porn problem that I have or the, or the things that I've done to hurt other people, maybe you come into this place with so many masks on to mask and cover up your shame and you've believed you've been disqualified, you've been counted out, and so you put your entire focus maybe on your behavior. Like if I can just learn to please God, if I can just learn to be a better person. I've heard people describe that for, for this tank here. Like I'll get baptized when I'm a better person. Said doesn't allow us to do that. You realize those are just different forms of masks, right? Like, like you'll never please God without first learning to trust his love and character for you. You'll never please God. And by the way, our best attempts to please God are just kind of feeble masks. You'll never learn to please God if you don't learn to first trust the stability of his love and character that is pointed towards you. In fact, it's in... Psalms after David has, King David has his lowest of his low moment in his entire life. He had just stolen another man's wife named Bathsheba, slept with her, got her pregnant, and had her husband killed, murdered to cover it all up. David is in the lowest of low estate. And guess what he appeals to in this moment? Hesed. Psalm 51, verse 1. This is what David says. He says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your what? Your chesed, your unfailing love, your loyalty, your covenant keeping. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. God's chesed removes our masks. Where we can come to this place of utter brokenness and confession and repentance and say, God, have mercy on me according to your steadfast love. I have broken the covenant, God. You have not. Maybe you're here, and you're living in the consequences of choices you've made, mistakes you've made, sins you've committed. Like, like your sin isn't hidden. It, it's out there, and everything's kind of falling apart as a result. And you're, what is God's said towards me in this moment? Because I'm very much, in a real way, feeling the consequences of the things that I've done. This is the same thing that happened with Israel. They were living in the midst of the consequences of their sin that that in the midst of Jerusalem being destroyed, in the midst of Israel's deepest moments of consequences over their sin, the author of Lamentations says this to Israel about God. This is what he says. The chesed of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The steadfast love covenant-keeping, unfailing love of the Lord never ceases. It is new and poured out every single morning. Maybe you're here, and I know this is some people's story here, and you've walked through stuff in this life that has caused you to believe that God is not a God of chesed, that he is not a faithful God. Maybe you believe that God wants something less than your best. Maybe you've experienced a significant loss or a diagnosis or a fractured relationship. And in those moments, you're tempted to trust your own experiences and your own feelings over God's character. 
And so the mask you wear is just one of self-protection. That your desire is to hide your grief or to not trust because the only love you've ever known has let you down in more ways than you can count. But here's what we know about God's said: That it's focused. That it is postured towards the down and out. That it is postured towards the lonely and towards the grieving and it literally lifts them up. Psalm 23. One of the most famous psalms in all of scripture. It's the psalm of the good shepherd. And this is what David says about God for those who are down and out and grieving. He says this, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and chesed shall follow me every day of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God's chesed removes our masks. Here's one other one. Some of us have forgotten God's said. Some of us have been a Christian for decades, and we've arrived to a place where we believe that our relationship with God is more driven by our own behavior than by his goodness and his chesed. And so we've arrived to a place of self-righteousness where we can stand up and we can look down on other people and we can forget that God's chesed is always pointed towards sinners. That God's chesed is always offered towards people who are spiritually bankrupt. And so we wear a mask in an effort to socially distance ourselves from sinful people. We keep a safe distance from the brokenness of others. Maybe that's your story. Maybe you're here and you have a story of self-righteousness that at least I'm not like that person. This is the story of Jonah, the prophet in the Old Testament, who was called by God to go to Nineveh. He's the guy that got swallowed in the big fish, remember? He spit out and he goes to Nineveh and God calls him to go preach a message of repentance to Nineveh. And Jonah's resistant, right? He runs the other way. He wants nothing to do with this. And it's in the very last chapter of Jonah after Jonah has preached repentance to Nineveh. Nineveh has repented. Nineveh has come to God. And this is Jonah's response to God. This is what he says. He says, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly that God was merciful on Nineveh. And he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? This is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. In other, ways, in other words, to go the other way. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in chesed and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. What is Jonah saying to God? He's saying, you have too much chesed towards sinful people. Your chesed is offensive to me. That's how radical it is. That's how pursuing it is. And so the next time you run into a Christian who even begins to suggest that it waters down the message of the Bible to talk too much about God's love, just get up real close in their face and just say, chesed. <laughs> Not only will you be telling them about the love of God, you'll be acting like you're about to spit in their face. It's like two birds with one stone. I'm, I'm kidding. Please don't do that. Here's, here's what I want you to hear, though. And this is the point I'm trying to get at. 
If God's chesed is what drives him to redeem unfaithful people, if God's chesed is what drives him to forgive sinners, if God's chesed is what it is to, to lift up the oppressed, by pour, if, if it's God's chesed that drives him to protect the oppressed by pouring out his wrath on people like Pharaoh in Egypt, if it's God's chesed that causes us to humble our own self-righteousness and ultimately if it's God's chesed that drives him to give his life on a cross, then it stands to reason that God's chesed is what can remove every single mask that I wear. And for some of us, that is the most terrifying statement that I could say on a stage. We talked at our men's retreat this last weekend about how, for men especially, one of the greatest fears that men navigate in this world is to be exposed, to be seen for who they truly are and rejected, counted a fraud, and cast out. God has said, removes my masks. Here's, here's what I want to do, though. I want to just walk through an exercise with you guys to, to kind of make this feel more real. I want you to picture right now the person you care about most on this planet. Like, get their face in your mind right now. If you need to close your eyes, that's okay. You don't have to. But maybe, maybe it's a spouse. Like, get their, their face in your mind. Maybe it's a, a parent. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a child. Maybe it's a pastor. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> maybe, maybe that, yeah, you wish. Thanks. I feel the chesed here today. Maybe they're sitting right next to you. I want you to get their face in your mind. Maybe they live across the country and you haven't seen them in person for some time. Maybe they aren't here anymore. I want you to picture their face, their eyes, their laugh, their smell, for better or worse, <laughs> their quirks. Now, there are moments where your love for that person brings out the best in you, where you have this deep sense of compassion, care, where you desire to sacrifice, serve them. Love has a way of bringing out the best in us. But chances are you're also reminded that there are moments in your life where your love for that person has significant handicaps, limits. Like maybe you love them one moment and you snub them the next because they're not doing what you want. See, our love can be partial, conditional, feelings-driven, exclusive, quid pro quo, marked by broken promises. Even despite our best efforts, our love is still marked by wearing masks with one another in so many cases. In fact, we live in a world where there are millions and millions, if not billions of people, some sitting right here in this room, who have walked through life feeling unwelcomed and unwanted in this world because they have never experienced a love that can remove masks. Imagine a place where all barriers to experiencing this kind of steadfast covenant-keeping love are removed, where there's nobody who doesn't feel at home, welcomed, wanted, this is what God's said has the power to do in our lives. But so long as I believe God's love operates like mine, I will continue to wear masks to try to earn his love and prove myself. And so as we 
kind of close and, and wrap up the last few minutes here today, what I want to do is turn our posture towards the person of Jesus. Because Jesus is the ultimate picture of God's chesed, his, his, his promise-keeping, covenant-keeping, steadfast, stable, loyal, merciful, generous love. Jesus is the ultimate picture of that. In fact, it's when Gabriel appears, the angel Gabriel appears to Mary in the New Testament, and he tells Mary that she is pregnant and with child, and he will save his people from their sins. And Mary bursts out into the song. She appeals to God's chesed. She says, Jesus, she says, God, your chesed is evident from generation to generation, that your chesed humbles the proud, elevates the down and out. The life, death, and new life of Jesus are the greatest picture of chesed that any of us ever have in this world. And yet so many of us have been taught the wrong way to approach the cross of Jesus Christ. See, here's what I grew up believing about the cross. I believed for so much of my life, that the cross is just a picture of God's anger on sin. That the cross is God's burning anger, and he had to take his wrath out somewhere because he was so angry, and so the cross is just the hole he punched in the wall because he was so mad at sin. I believe this till I was 30 years old. 30 years of my life, I believe this was the picture of the cross. And that's not entirely a false picture. The cross is a picture of God's wrath on sin. It is a picture of God's wrath poured out. But if that's the only picture of the cross that I have in my life, that it's just God's anger on sin, that it's just his way of forgiving the bad things that I've done, that's not inaccurate, but it's not a complete picture of the cross. You see, God's holiness and his chesed are constantly living in tension with one another. On one hand, he will not hold the guilty blameless and innocent. And on the other hand, he is a God of unfailing love, steadfast mercy. In fact, when, when Israel rebels so many different times, it's people like Moses and the prophets that are saying, God, we know you're a God of holiness, but we also know you're a God of chesed. God, will you relent because you are a God of unfailing love? You are a God of chesed. And often God relents. And so how do we reconcile these two things? How do we reconcile that God is a God of holiness and God is a God of chesed? We do it because of a cross. The cross is the place where God's holiness and his wrath and his chesed meet in one person and in one place, and that is the cross of Jesus Christ. Amen. So the right way to view the cross is that the cross is a picture of the fullness of God's chesed for humanity. That there the true covenant keeper, the only picture of true chesed in human form, Jesus Christ himself, the only person to truly embody chesed, was hung on a tree. He was, he was one who, who embodied chesed towards his neighbors and towards his enemies and towards his father and towards every single person that he interacted with. And there he hung, cursed on a tree, so that we, in his name, could forever be clothed in the chesed of God where we could take off our masks, throw them aside, and never put them on again. See, the cross, my friends, is far more than just an act of forgiveness. The cross was an act of such radical chesed and generosity that it has broken the back of sin and shame and guilt in your life forever and ever and ever, and it invites you to remove your masks. 
When I think about this for my own story, I think about the time, and I've shared this story before, but I'll share it again and probably again and again and again. 2018, four years ago, I was in a very depressed, even suicidal place. It's just rock bottom, just utterly depressed, and there was a lot of stuff going on in my life behind the scenes. And I began meeting with this counselor, these incredibly intense therapy sessions, where some of them, he just kind of cast his plan aside and said, we're just going to spend time praying over you, Brad. We're just going to pray over you. And uh, it was in those sessions, in those moments, where I've experienced some of the most powerful moments of healing in my life, healing prayer. And uh, there was one moment where I'll never forget it. He said, I want you to tell me the picture that is coming to your mind right now as I'm praying over you. As we've navigated some of your family history, as we've navigated some of the masks you've had to wear, I want you to, I want you to tell me what is the picture that God is placing in your mind right now, Brad, of yourself? How are you picturing yourself? And there was a vivid picture coming to my mind. But I didn't want to tell him because it sounded stupid. It's, it was emba- I didn't even want to say it out loud. Like, this makes no sense. Why, why would I share this with you? He's like, no, tell me what it is. And so I, I fought the urge, but, but eventually I gave in and, and I shared it with him. So the picture God is giving me right now is of myself as an infant baby being held in God's arms. And I didn't know why that picture came to my mind. It felt dumb. It felt stupid. It was just an infant, a child. And this is what he said to me. I I wrote it down. I'm going to read it here verbatim. He said, Brad, God is taking you back to a place of love, stability. I said, before you ever learn to put a mask on. He's taking you back to that place. And he is showing you in that moment how stable and consistent and steadfast and generous and merciful his love is for you. Do we wonder why the metaphor for salvation is to be born again, to become a baby once again, to become a child once again so that we can unlearn some things, so that we can take off some masks, so that we can live this life stable in the love and the steadfastness and the presence and the covenant keeping of a God who will not leave you. That is the chesed of God for your life. And so maybe you're here this morning and and the message that you have been given about the person of Jesus your whole life is that he's just angry and he's just resentful towards you. And and to that, this is what I want to say, Romans 2, 4. This is Paul writing and this is what he says. He said, do you presume on the riches of his chesed, God's chesed and forbearance and patience, not knowing that it's God's what? Chesed that is meant to lead you to repentance. If you begin to understand this, you begin to understand the hope of salvation that is for you. You begin to understand what it means to get into these waters of baptism. So as we close today, I want to invite you to just answer the question for your life, what what masks are you wearing? What masks do you need to take off? 
we're going to sing and we're going to respond and worship for a, for a few minutes right now. And, and here's what I wanted you to do during this time is I want you to take the posture that you need to take. If that means you move from a different space and move around the room, you can do that. If that means you stay sitting, you can do that. If that means standing and raising your hands high, you can do that. But I want you to answer that question as we sing, what masks am I wearing that God is asking me to take off? Maybe you're here and you didn't plan to get baptized today. And God is tapping you on the shoulder and he's saying, today is your day. Get your butt up there and get yourself baptized. To you, I would say the invitation is open. It's open. It's an open invitation. So while we sing and and when we're done with this song, I'm going to invite everybody who wants to get baptized to come up, line up over here. And we'll do it. We'll give you a change of clothes and all of that good stuff. But let's, let me pray, let's sing, and then we're going to go into baptism after that. God, I thank you that you are a God who is covenant-keeping, that when we break the covenant, you are a God who is merciful, steadfast. That God, for people whose masks look like just different sin issues that they're struggling with, or for people whose masks look like shame they've worn their whole lives, or for people whose masks look like just this this grief and this need to kind of self-protect and insulate and stay away from community, God. I pray this morning that they will experience your chesed, not in a general sense, but directed directly at them and the masks they wear. So God, we thank you for a love like that. A love that is not known in this world today. And God, I pray that that love agitates and shakes some things and breaks some walls down for every single one of us. And that in that place, we are led to a place of repentance where we turn towards you and your unfailing love. And it's all of this we pray in the holy name of Jesus. Amen.